Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. I tell you guys all the time, always bet on red. And I hope you cashed on all of your Kansas City bets this season. All of the odds, props, promos, and parlays are available at Bet Online Sportsbook. You can use our promo code Believe50. That's B L E A V five zero to get a fifty percent welcome bonus with the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello? Kyle, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Razor? I'm good. Thanks for your flexibility. Happy to join you today. Absolutely. I'm very excited for our annual Kyle Gets to Learn What's Happening in College Basketball podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope I can uh, entertain and educate you at the same time this this afternoon. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited. First off, football season ended. The Super Bowl has passed. We obviously previewed the game now that the game has uh, concluded. What are your thoughts? Uh, listen, this is all because of the Philadelphia defense, right? I mean, the Philadelphia defense, this is all meaning the game was lost by Philly. Their offense played incredible. Jalen Hurts was a warrior out there. I thought he played probably one of his better games of the year. Made one crucial mistake when when KC took it to the house. By the way, if he had yes on a defensive touchdown on Sunday for the Super Bowl, boy, did you get paid out really well. I think that was plus $3 to uh, on the yes. So those yes betters. Uh, got themselves a nice payday at plus 300. Yeah, I mean, they just totally collapsed on defense, right? Inside the six, seven yard line on those two touchdowns by Kansas City uh, in the third and in the fourth quarter. Uh, disappointing performance. If you uh, if you bet on Philadelphia, Kyle, um, no liability for me on this game. I didn't like the game. I uh, watched it with friends, had fun, uh, played some FanDuel daily fantasy lineups and just kind of watched it unfold. Um just because these type of games are um, good enough to watch without betting. So uh, no, no, no action for me. My football uh, handicapping for 22-23 uh, is over. So uh, it was a great game, though. I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, don't, I'm not blaming the refs. Listen, you know, Bradbury's hold, I think it was there. I think there was a hold within a couple seconds uh, when Juju came off the line of scrimmage. Was it an egregious hold? No. Could it have not been called? Yes. But it was, and uh, I think everyone just has to um, live with that call. And uh, Kansas City, I think, deserved to win. Uh, they, 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 were, they were the better defense, and I think the, the two offenses were right on par. I mean, the thing that I've been saying all year is like the great competitive advantage for Kansas City is that they can do whatever they want on offense whenever they want on offense. And we saw it in this game that we're used to Patrick Mahomes buying time with his legs and making the big throws. He also happens to be one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. And we saw that on display against a pretty good Philadelphia defense that wasn't able to get pressure on him because the ball was getting out quickly. They were running these slant routes and these uh, little up and out routes to Kelsey or Juju Smith Schuster. And, you know, they, they schemed their way to a victory and Mahomes is a super, super accurate quarterback. And that's how they, beat Philadelphia. They could have scored 42. They could have scored 45. They could have scored 49. But ultimately, all Kansas City needed was 38 to win the game. Yeah, and it's the most fascinating stat as you take a look at time of possession for Philly in the first half. It was just total domination, right? And and Kansas City just found a way to get the ball. I felt like Philadelphia was in a little bit of trouble 
as crazy as this sounds, when they had a chance to maybe get this lead to 14 at half and they settled for three, I said, oh boy, you know, that was it. I felt like with going up 14, that's to me was using a tennis term, holding serve. You have to hold serve. You have to score touchdowns against Kansas City. You can't kick too many field goals. Uh, and they didn't hold serve. I mean, I think they had to score seven there and ultimately indicates that they should have. So, yeah, it was a really good game. I- you just cut out. I lost you there. Yeah, I yeah. lost you there for a second. I'm still here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're good. Uh, the the thing that I found interesting about the strategy at the end of the half was that I was saying before, if Kansas City does this right, when it was, uh, I believe it was 21-14 and they had just gotten the ball back, I was like, if they do it right, Philly won't see the ball until eight minutes in the third quarter. And then they punted immediately back to them and they got a field goal. I was like, it felt like bonus points for Philadelphia. But at the end of the day, that was a big swing. The other big one was when they held... Philadelphia on uh, the the drive that tied the record for longest plays drive of in Super Bowl history, and they settled for a field goal, and Philadelphia didn't even get to the goal to go part of the drive. I saw that, and I'm like, ooh, that's a big defensive stand for Kansas City, and it made up for the Butker missed field goal back in the first quarter. It did. I mean, I, I mean, you talk about the definition of uh, you know bend but don't break. Kansas City's defense uh, on those two field goal drives at late late second quarter and early to mid third quarter uh, were just really elite. And uh, hey, credit credit to this defense who, in my opinion, has at times not showed up at all, Has t- at times looks like they've been on ice skates, but they played really well at the end uh, against Cincinnati, and they played even better at the end um, to control Philly. Obviously, Philly scored on their last possession, went down the field, Devonta Smith wide open. That was just a busted coverage situation. But overall, you take away that Devonta Smith busted coverage play, Kansas City's defense was really solid. Yeah, because even the other big play, which is the A.J. Brown touchdown, they beat Trent McDuffie one-on-one. There's no shame yeah. in that. A.J. Brown beat you deep. Yeah. No, I thought that defense was – I mean, that that's one of those situations where, you know, he throws that up in the air 10 times, and maybe Brown catches it 2 out of 10, 3 out of 10. And it just happened to be that that was one out of the two or three times out of ten that he that he comes down with it. I, no no issues with that defense whatsoever. All right, let's do some college basketball talk because every year, you, I I have not been into college basketball this year. As the year as I've gotten older, I've gotten less and less involved in college basketball. It's just one of those things that as I've gotten older, I have less capacity for sports, and so. Uh, the one thing that I learned the other day that uh, I need your verification on this because I, I it feels strange to see it uh, is UConn good at basketball again? Yeah, they're good, but but they, they they were much better in December January, so they are they are starting to crumble a little bit against the really good teams in the Big East, like Creighton going down to Creighton only by a point or two, I think, over the weekend, you know, losing the teams like Xavier at home. And these are the elite of the Big East. Uh, UConn's good. I mean, they're, they're a very dangerous, let's call them a five seed maybe, uh, in the NC2A okay. tournament, uh, six seed, uh, if you will. But I think UConn can go on a massive run in both the NC2A tournament and in the Garden for the Big East championship. I do think they are a threat. 
listen, Kyle, this is the, I feel like you almost say this every year, but I'm going to say it more than any other year. It's just wide open. There's really no, there, there are not there. Excuse me. Let me, let me rephrase that. There's not a group of eight teams that are just too good for everybody else. It's not the case. I don't even think there's a group of three or four teams that are too good for everyone else. I don't think Houston is that good. I don't think Texas, as we saw last night, six in the country, really should not, it shouldn't even be close. Texas Tech, I thought, I mean, they should have ran them out of the gym and they still won by seven. Um, Purdue's good. I mean, Zach Eady is almost unstoppable at times, but teams figure out how to play ZD and no, nobody did it better than on Sunday afternoon with Northwestern with a huge upset as a seven point dog. So um, it's wide open. And I think UConn, to answer your question, UConn has a path there uh, to, to, to get to the, uh, pretty far in the NCAA tournament. It's just all really going to be predicated on who they match up with. See, I was interested in that team specifically because I pulled up Ken Palm for the first time. Uh, I think it was like last week. And I mm-hmm. saw that they were six and I saw they were top 20 in offense and defense. They have an adjusted rating for that. And I was surprised by that. I was like, wow, okay, so UConn might be a deep threat. It's good to hear that they're four, five, six seed territory this year going into March Madness. It's going to take a lot to 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 get into that top four. Um, they're going to really have to do some damage in the Big East tournament. They're going to have to win it or reach the finals. Um, they just have they have a couple losses, right? Um, and I think um, in order to 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 reach that top four line, U- UConn is going to have to try to win out here in in February, March, um, most of their Big East games, which is not easy. The Big East is, and it's tough going to Creighton these days. It's tough going to Xavier. Uh, Seton Hall is not a great team, but it's not easy to win in Newark. So uh, it's I think it's one of my favorite conferences, honestly. It looks like Marquette's really good this year. I, mean, good. I, even, I didn't even mention him. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Sorry to interrupt you. I didn't I completely forgot to mention the best team likely in, in the Big East, uh, Marquette. I mean, Marquette, man, they just keep winning. And, and sometimes, Kyle, they win big. And, and that's what you don't see out of some of these teams in the Big East, like UConn, Xavier, um, I mean, they're going and they're they're going to you know they're going to the 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 teams like Butler, like DePaul, St. John's, and then they're not just you know getting getting through these games on the road and they're bullying them pretty good. I've seen Marquette go into some houses and win by ten plus points, which is never easy. So yeah, Marquette's going to be a very difficult team to deal with in the NCAA tournament. It's so interesting to see because Villanova and Butler are bad this year. It's so interesting to see the conference flip when you take away those two teams that have consistently been at the top for, I mean, I want to go on eight years now. I mean, Butler's had some ups and downs, but those two teams have been pretty much one, two, three, somewhere in that mix for eight years. And to see both of them be bad kind of changes my entire perception of the Big East. (laughs) Well, it's certainly been Villanova, right? Villanova as the one seed in the Big East tournament for, gosh, it feels like several years. So um, Butler's been hit or miss, right, over the last five years, but they've had a great history. If you look back at the last 10 years, I mean, Butler's definitely probably has been a top four seed in the Big East tournament uh, more times than maybe anyone else besides Villanova. So uh, Butler, um, not a good team, no depth, no bigs. So I think uh, I think they've had a very disappointing season under the guidance of Thad Mata, who I guess was there, man, when I was in college, I think it's been a talk about full circle for coach Mata coming back to to Butler university. So, um, I, again, I, I, I love the big East. I love MSG. Uh, one of my, you, you know, this, I've been with you now for almost three years. Um, best thing to do is, is to bet 
the uh, the conference championships tournaments. Those are the best. Those are, I mean, th- that to me, that's where you make your money. You you see teams like Butler who are the eighth seed, and they they want to go home. Kyle, these kids are ready for the summer, you know. But in the NCAA tournament, nobody's ready to go home, right? Everyone's trying to you know be uh, Cinderella. So, so I'm I'm pumped. That's my favorite time of the year to bet, and uh, we are just. Gosh, we're just one month away, or maybe a little bit less from uh, conference uh, championship week. Yeah, I didn't realize Butler's been bad for three years now. Ever since that uh, that pandemic season, Butler's been been down in the dumps. They obviously fired their coach last year. Um, changing direction here, because I feel like we've covered all the ground in the Big East, unless we want to talk about Jay Wright leaving and Villanova falling apart, which is kind of funny. Um Besides that point, uh, who do you think is the best offense in college basketball this year? Well, I would have told you uh, back in Thanksgiving, it would have been the, the boys that uh, represent the school that's about two and a half miles from my home, and that's the uh, UNC uh, Chapel Hill Tar Heels, and, and they are certainly not. They are the, by the I mean, I'll answer your question, but they are by far uh, the worst, uh, excuse me, the most disappointing, disappointing team in college basketball by a mile, UNC. Um, I think Houston. Houston has a lot of scores, and I, I don't really I, – when, when I watch Houston play, I see a team that can run. I see a team that just has incredible three-point uh, shooting ability, um, and they have a lot of mismatches uh, with their backcourt. So I, I think Houston is probably the best offense that I've seen somewhat consistently, but they've had some bad losses. That doesn't mean their offense was the problem. Probably was their defense, but Houston plays a pretty weak schedule, so let's see – how their offense will line up in the NCAA tournament if they get a you know a really good Big East team or a really good SEC team in the second round that will be interesting to see how they handle that but I think it's Houston Kyle Houston has been a really interesting team because I think it's been a few years now where they've been top of the of college basketball coming from a non-power conference I mean they made the final four two years ago obviously and got smoked out the building by the team that ended up winning the championship in Baylor but I mean Houston has gone through multiple iterations of their team multiple star players I'm just amazed that Kelvin Sampson who again was out of college basketball for scandal reasons has gone to this small school and turned them into a national powerhouse it's really remarkable to watch well they're also living on a pretty terrible conference right they're mm-hmm. living wise they're living large on feeding off of teams that are just not very good in the American I think that we take a look at the American Conference, and uh, who do you see out there that's truly a threat? It's not Wichita State. Maybe <laughs> according Memphis. to according to Ken Palm, Memphis is thirty-seven, and that's yeah. the only team in the top fifty. The next best yeah. team would be Cincinnati, and then UCF. Yeah, Memphis is a good team. I mean, they're they're you saw last year in the NCAA tournament they had. They had every chance to beat Gonzaga when they were seeded number nine. Um, I, I don't think this is the same Memphis team, but I do think Memphis is the only viable candidate to really threaten Houston uh, in the AAC championship, which could be played in Memphis as it typically is. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think Houston is just taking advantage of, of bad teams, um, and that's what we're seeing uh, consistently over the last three years. I know we've been talking about a power six for many years in college basketball, but this year, according to Ken Palm's uh, conference rankings, the Mountain West is better than the ACC. And so uh, is it time to establish a power seven in college basketball with my beloved Mountain West? 
Yeah, but we've been saying this for years now. I mean, obviously, Wyoming was the darling last year that, that made it really interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I think that the Mountain West is probably not better than the ACC. I think that's crazy. I mean, Ken Palm knows his stuff, right, more than probably anybody. I think uh, the bottom planet. of the ACC is dragging him down this year. Yes, yes. The bottom of the ACC is terrible. And I also think uh, Duke Carolina being pretty pretty weak doesn't help their cause, right? Um I don't know. I I don't really trust the Mountain West um, in the tournament, Kyle. I mean, you're 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 asking for a lot. I think for any of these teams to make massive runs, uh, San Diego State probably is a team that is starting to you know come together. They do have experience, but they I don't know if they have the offensive power that you need to make uh, a run to the second week of the NCAA tournament kind of have more faith in the top four of the ACC than I do the top four of the Mountain West. And I mean, the, listen, I mean, as crazy as it sounds like, I think that Pittsburgh is really good. I, I, I don't, I doubt that you watch a ton of Pittsburgh. I'm just assuming this, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe that, that Capel has this type of talent after they were so bad for the last two years or three years under him. Um, they, they win games, Kyle. I mean, they, they just go and they go to Atlanta and they beat up Georgia Tech. They go to Tallahassee and they beat up FSU. They come to Chapel Hill. They beat Carolina. They play Duke at home. No problem. We beat Duke at home. And this is a good Pittsburgh team. I think Pittsburgh, they have the, they have everything you need. They have, they have a group of seven or eight players that rotate consistently. They have good, they have good guards. They have good bigs. Um, Clemson is another team that's a little shocking. Now they have a great backcourt, not such a great frontcourt, but Clemson is a team that could, with the right draw, can do, do some damage, reach the third round of the NCAA tournament. I think the best team in, in, in the, in the conference is Miami on display last night, going to Chapel Hill, almost ran them out of the gym, ended up winning by only seven or eight, but it was at one point a 15 point lead for the Hurricanes. Um, they are, in my opinion, uh, the best team. And I think Virginia is number two. I think Virginia, I, I do think Virginia's offense is much better than they have been in years. But I do think Miami has more playmakers, may, may not have the experience as Virginia, but I think Miami has the playmakers and ultimately can make an elite eight run. And I believe they made an elite eight run last year. Do I have that right as a seven seed? They were up at halftime on the eventual champion, Kansas. And then I think they got outscored by not even kidding, 30 points in the second half of that game. Right. Yeah. The Hurricanes were, I think, a seven seed last year and made it all the way to the finals of their region. So uh, this team is going to be a four or five seed. And I don't see why they can't do the same uh, come late March. Yeah. So if you have Miami, number one, Virginia, number two, Pitt number three, Ken Palm doesn't like Pitt, which I was like, where's sure. Pitt on here? And they're like seventh, but Pitt okay. three, would you have your Wolfpack of NC State number four? You know, I won't be I won't be Homer Simpson here. Um <laughs> I I Okay, so let's face the facts. We see how bad this Carolina team is, right? And I think there's a problem with their chemistry. There are rumors that are pretty much true that there's a love triangle going on between uh, two players and a girlfriend. And, you know, to make a long story short, one of the guys had a girlfriend and the guy, one of the teammates cheated on the girl, whatever. It's just so childish. I think that's playing a factor, but I also think it's Pete Nance. Pete Nance, I thought, was a great transfer for the Tar Heels from Northwestern. He had a pretty good career there in the Big Ten. 
but he does not fit in on this team. His role, he doesn't, he's, he's, he's got an undefined role. Um, is he a five? Is he a four? Is Baycott the five? Is Baycott the four? It's, it's just been very, very murky with him in the lineup, and he gets a lot of run, Kyle. I think I think if, if Huber Davis figures out the right formula, UNC is the third or fourth best team in the conference, but they they have a tough road ahead. They They still have to go to Raleigh this Sunday, beat NC State. They have to beat Duke at home. They're going to have to beat somebody else in there to solidify themselves as a team that's going to reach the tournament. The loss last night to Miami, I think, puts them probably at one of those first four out, out spots. So um, I think Carolina is the fourth best team um, in reality, but they're not they're not proving it right now. So let's throw in NC State based on record. Yeah, NC State is they're winning. They're beating teams that are bad, Kyle. They're not beating great teams, though. So let's see what happens here. Massive test against Carolina on Sunday. Updating a couple things from what you were talking about before. So Miami was actually a 10 seed last year. and they, Okay, I knew it was a 7-10 line. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they beat yeah. Auburn. And then that was the weird like Iowa State team that made a run to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually undersold it. They got outscored by 32 points in the second half against Kansas in the Elite I don't know how, Yeah, that's amazing. I don't even know how that happens. It, it it was 47-15 was the outscoring margin in the second half, which I've never seen that before. Kyle, I was down the road from you when that game uh, happened. I watched that game in Northern California on spring break. I remember that. Yeah, I do recall that time. And uh, I believe that was the last game on the Elite Eight Sunday uh, that mm-hmm. ended up going Kansas's way and they ended up winning the championship so we've we've established the top four out of the ACC. The four in the Mountain West, I suppose, would be San Diego State, uh, Boise State, um, Utah State, and maybe New Mexico as the fourth team. And uh, none of those teams have made it past the Sweet 16 in recent memory. So I think I might lean your way in terms of the top four in the ACC being over the top four in the Mountain West. Yeah, I think New Mexico is sneaky good. I mean, they they were the darling team in November, December, right out of the Mountain West. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that San Diego State is the most, you know, conservative play to say, yeah, San Diego State will win in Vegas and they'll win and they'll and they'll advance the furthest in the tournament. But I think it's New Mexico who has that 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 really high ceiling opportunity. So um I don't know. It's I mean I, I hope the Mountain West gets four teams in. I hope somebody does something. But uh yeah overall really uh it's always a fun conference Mountain West. But I think the mm-hmm. bottom of the Mountain West is Pretty bad too. Do I have that right, Kyle? I haven't followed it as 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 strong as you may have, but those bottom teams are pretty damn bad. I have not been following the Mountain West at all, but I will pull okay. up the Mountain West standings real quick. I've been checking in on San Diego State now and again just because it's the school near where I grew up. But uh, like I said, I haven't been deep into the Mountain West Conference basketball standings this year. It looks like. Uh, Wyoming is two and 10, so that's pretty bad in conference. Colorado State, three and nine, uh, Air Force, four and nine, Fresno, five and eight, UNLV, five and eight. Yeah, it seems like the bottom of the conference is not very good this year. UNLV is actually not bad. They're, they were almost undefeated in non conference play, but they're five and eight in conference play now. 
Yeah, Wyoming and CSU are the big the big drops of the Mountain West because those two teams were really strong last year, and um, you know here we are today, and they're they're just nowhere to be found. No, they are they are really really bad. Uh, could you for people who don't know, could you kind of explain the phenomenon that's going on with Louisville right now? Because <laughs> Louisville is not just like the worst team in the ACC; they are legitimately one of the worst teams in all of major college basketball. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those like everybody leaves last minute kind of deal, coach players uh it's bad it, it it was bad going into the season and it's not getting any better so yeah just you know one of those situations where everybody leaves um the whole staff the whole, uh nearly 80 percent of the roster from last year i think it was uh they are an embarrassment to watch uh it's it's yeah i mean what else can you say it is the worst team in i think college basketball uh and when it comes to the power the power you know five power six whatever you want to say it's it's awful and uh i'm glad that my institution is not going through that right now it's kind of sad for those who are uh, keeping track at home uh louisville according to ken palm is 295th out of 360 college basketball teams and uh, that would put them, as things stand right now, in uh, just want to make sure I have this right, uh, because I'm up here in Big West country, that would put them uh, currently in seventh place in the Big West Conference, <laughs> right there wow. with uh, Cal State Bakersfield, who is five and nine in the Big West, and UC San Diego, who is three and ten in the Big West. <laughs> it's sad, you know. That's that's just unfortunate because this team is this is excuse me, not this team. This institution has a lot of history, and uh, it just shouldn't be this way, but it is. And uh, you know, I think I think Louisville has enough history to bounce back. But this, this is going to be disruptive for a, you. Don't recover within one year. This is. They lose a lot of recruits, I think, because of this. Like, I'm not coming to this place, you know. So, hopefully, they recover sooner than later because I think Louisville is is a, is a really good part of the ACC when they're successful. Um, and they, you know, obviously had a great run prior to that. Yeah, uh, they won a national office. championship ten yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's history there, and certainly a lot of resources that they want to put into basketball. Uh, Oh, I'm decided. See, we've gone this far and we haven't even talked about the best conference yet, which is the Big 12, but I also have a Gonzaga question. So I'm going to ask the Gonzaga question first. Where do they stand right now? Uh, obviously, as a perennial power, maybe the perennial power for the last three years. And then we can talk about the best conference in college basketball, which is the Big 12. Yeah, well, we'll 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 go with those two things before I depart with you here. Um, I think I think that the Gonzaga team that we've been so accustomed to has always had a dance partner in the front court for Drew Timmy over the last two or three years. And that's not the case. Like the bigs are just not there for Gonzaga. Timmy is, has to do everything. Their, their guard play is not bad. It's actually pretty good. It's not like the last two years, but this is finally a Gonzaga team that is not deep. Like the last two years, oh man, rotate eight guys with no problem. All eight players can do some major damage on the floor. Uh, this Gonzaga team probably has five or six guys that you can really trust to make something happen. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at uh, a, a bench that's not there like it has been. We're looking at a front court that doesn't have a dance partner for Timmy. So um, can they make a run? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, Kyle, because finally, for the first time in several years, 
Gonzaga is not going to have a ton of pressure on them. They're going to see a digit next to their name that's not one or two for the first time in how many years, you know? Um, I, I think Gonzaga is like a viable three or four seed. I, I don't I don't really look at the Lenardi stuff quite yet. I don't know where they ha- where he has them or any other sources have Gonzaga, but I think I'd place them on the four line, maybe three if they're lucky. But um, I've seen them struggle. I see. I saw them barely get through San Francisco in early January at San Francisco. Run out of the gym, I believe, at St. Mary's. Do I have that right? Um, escaping at BYU. So it's a very average team, um, and I think that uh, they they deserve a four seed if they you know they run through the gauntlet of the of their conference and they, they win in Vegas. But um, Anything higher than three would be, I think, egregious at this point because they, they they are a three to five seed in my opinion. And as a heads up, Ken Palm, had, they did lose at St. Mary's a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And Ken Palm has them at 15 clustered with teams such as Arizona, Virginia and Rutgers. Well, that puts them on the three or four line, right? At 15 right now, you know, I think that's kind of where they deserve to be. More so a four line, obviously ranked third. Well, this is Ken Palm. It's not, doesn't really. No, Ken Palm's not Not, correct again. Yeah, yeah. 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 But but we're looking at a team that should be a four seed and be be curious to see who they match up with uh, out in uh, in the NCAA tournament, whoever they may play. Yeah, they'll they'll get a fourteen and then probably a three six or a eleven three something like that. Does that mean St. Mary's is going to be ranked higher than them because they both have the same record right now? Well, I think it's the uh, the uh, non conference schedule, right? Didn't Gonzaga go through a gauntlet early on in the year, uh, beating Alabama? Maybe. Um, yep, they beat Alabama. They beat. Uh, well, they lost by one to Baylor. Yes, they, they did. Beat- yeah. Xavier, they lost to Purdue, they beat Kentucky, they lost to Texas, they beat Michigan State. Yeah, they had a lot of these games. Yeah, I think you give the edge to Gonzaga over over St. Mary's because I don't remember St. Mary's playing more than one or two, you know, viable out of conference games. So I would imagine that if everything kind of holds serve and Gonzaga wins the conference. I would say Gonzaga will be seeded higher, but we're going to find out because they play each other again, right? They've only played once. I imagine that Zaga is going to get them at home uh, at the end of the month. I, I would think so, right? Yep. Gonzaga has St. Mary's final weekend of the season. Well, there's your answer to that. So, I mean, if Gonzaga beats St. Mary's, we'll, we'll, we'll put Zaga on the four line. If St. Mary's beats Gonzaga on the road, and that changes everything. I think we'll see St. Mary's Probably flip with Zaga. Zaga may go to six, and uh, St. Mary's may end up on the four line. All right, let's talk about the Big 12 real quick because they've got Kansas, they've got Baylor, they've got a really tumultuous situation at Texas, and also what was at one time a top five team. You've got uh, Iowa State after making a Sweet 16 run last year. You've got Kansas State. You've got West Virginia. You've got TCU. It's the top heaviest and deepest conference. Yeah, I mean this this conference is unbelievable. Like when you think Oklahoma State is down ten in Ames, Iowa, and then wins, that just shows you how deep the conference is. A team like Oklahoma State, who, man, they may end up being the six or seven seed in the Big Twelve championships in Kansas City, and I probably would put them on the eight or nine line. Right? I mean, this is a really good conference. Um, I think it's Baylor, Kyle. I really do. Baylor and Kansas to me 
are the best two teams, but I really like Baylor. They have played some great basketball in February and, and, and in the, even through mid to late January. It's a very rocky start for Baylor early on in the Big 12 conference. Uh, last night, you know, I think a trap game against West Virginia, no problems, took business. Um, Texas, to me, is just soft. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of depth at, in Austin, but... I know, is is this whole Chris Beer thing tumultuous? Probably not, not at this point. I think you could have made the argument about that seven, eight weeks ago. But um, yeah, I mean, Baylor and Texas are probably three seeds, maybe two seeds, depends on how it all unfolds. KU is a two seed. Um, I don't know if I can put them on the one line. Uh, I think West Virginia is a team that, Man, they may get in as a double-digit seed. They're pretty good. They've had some some interesting wins, beating Iowa State at home, then losing last night to Baylor. They're a tough team to handicap. Iowa State's really difficult to figure out. Man, they 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 can make another massive run in the NCAA tournament. You know, depends on the uh, on the bracket. But Iowa State, I'm going to put them on the four or five line right now. They're a really good team. So, yeah, by far and away the best conference, and it's just they're going to eat each other alive in Kansas City. It'll be interesting to see. Kansas State, have you mentioned Kansas State? Um, <laughs> I mean, Kansas State's really good. Kansas State's a three seed, right? I mean, come on. They can't be lower than the three line at this juncture, the way the way they're playing. They, they win games, um, you know, consistently. So, I, I like K-State, and watch out for Texas Tech. I mean, I don't know where Texas Tech sits in this whole puzzle. They may not even be in the equation, but they're good. I mean, they're a good team. Um, and I don't think they'll make the tournament unless they go on a huge run here and win out, through, you know, win most of their games in the Big 12. But uh, they're pretty damn tough, as we saw last night. And then you got TCU, the NCAA uh, uh team that we saw in the foot in, in, uh, in, the, in the championship game against Georgia uh I think I think their their basketball team is I mean they're good too I mean I, I don't know what to I, tell you I Colin. saw them in Arizona against Arizona the one seed last year they went to overtime yeah, as an eight won seed. that game should have won that game yeah I I, I would say TCU kind of sitting in that same spot as a seven seed maybe or an eight seed I think they'll land on uh, on one of those numbers as well so you think Baylor is the team in that conference? If you're going to find one that has the best chance of making either a, a run to win the Big 12 championship or a deep run in the tournament, you're taking Baylor? Well, what gives Kansas that huge advantage is Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's KU. The whole building every single year is 86% KU and 14% the other nine schools, it seems like. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think KU is a, probably the slight favorite to win the conference championship based on where it is. But now we move on to the tournament where games can be played in Greensboro, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois. And I think it's Baylor who the who is the better team in those situations. I just like what I see out of Baylor more so than KU. I think Baylor has more depth than Kansas. Uh, I don't think that's even a question. I don't even think that's an argument right now. I think Baylor is the uh, overall better team. Would I put money on Baylor over Kansas and Kansas City? Probably not. I just, you know, I think KU is probably a three-point favorite, and who knows what would transpire there. Would I wouldn't mind sprinkling some money on Baylor advancing further than KU, as then they both seated two or three? Sure, why not? I think they're a better team. 
One stat I see for Kansas is that they're sitting at 20 and five defending champs. They also have the toughest strength of schedule in college basketball this year. So, yeah, yeah, they're good. And believe me, they're a really good team. They're a really good team, but they have fumbled over the last two weeks, right, Kyle? I mean, haven't they lost maybe three out of five games? That's not acceptable for a for a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament when you're doing that in early to mid-Feb. I see a loss to Iowa State. I see a loss to Baylor. And I see a loss to K-State in the last, call it a month. Well, there you go. Is that three out of five games that they, they lost? I, I, I think that could be close to accurate. I mean, if it, it's not three out, yes. if yeah, it's close to that. It was three out games. of... It was three out of six, and then they won two in a row. But at the time, it was three out of six lost. And then, okay. oh, no, they lost to TCU also. Hold on. So they, they lost to TCU, Kansas State, Baylor. That's three of four. And then they... If they win, if they win the next game, it's three out of five losses, right? You would be correct. Three, yes, yeah, they did. Yeah, so I think that that's okay, right? But... I don't know. This, typically, the one seeds don't make those kind of errors this late in the season. So um, I, I, I'm uh, I'm not super high on KU to repeat here. I don't honestly have anyone that I feel like in this tournament. Kyle. I have no <laughs> no idea who won this tournament. It's so it's impossible. Is Purdue going to end up being a one seed? We talked about them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I I think they will. I think they. Um, figure this out the northwestern loss they were up by eight kyle and uh that was a bad loss for me i had purdue and i can't remember who i married them with in a money line parlay on sunday the other team hit pretty easily i think it was memphis uh i think so i mean i saw purdue they've walked in the buildings in the big 10 michigan michigan state and just ran them you know they didn't run michigan state out of the gym they, they won that game by one or two but i've seen them run other teams on the road uh, out of the gym. Uh, I think Purdue will figure it out. I think they will. They don't have to win the Big Ten championship, right, to to win, get that one seed. I think, like, if they're the number one seed and reach the finals and have a fluky loss to um, Michigan State or whoever it may be, then they probably will secure a one seed. Yeah, to answer your question, I think Purdue is on track to to, to earn a one seed somewhere in this tournament. Is Northwestern good at basketball? I just saw they're, they beat Purdue. Yes, they're good. Very good. They're, they're better than they're better than they are in football. I can tell you that. Um, Northwestern brought everybody back for the most part, except Pete Nance, who we talked about, you know, fifteen minutes ago or so, who's now at UNC. Um, and Pete Nance was a huge factor for this team uh, last year, Northwestern. And I thought that would be a massive loss, but it's not. And I, I think they're I think they're good. I think that Northwestern's a viable, you know, single digit seed in the tournament. I, I mean, I don't know where Lenardi has them, but I think they're deserving of an eight or nine. Um, but I do think the best team, honestly, that's gonna give problems to Purdue, and it's pretty obvious, is it's their it's their arch rival. I think IU, I think Indiana's the team to beat right now in the Big Ten at times. I think that you can make an argument that if Purdue and Indiana are on the other side of the draw. Uh, in Chicago or Indianapolis, it's always changed. I can't remember where it is this year. Um, that how legendary would that be if those two met in the finals? If it was played in Indianapolis, my goodness. Um, so I, I like IU a lot. I like Illinois too. I think Illinois is a good team, um, and they've been so disappointing uh, in the NCAA tournament over the last few years. But I do like Indiana. I trust them more than Illinois. Um, I do like Purdue. Uh, Wisconsin is really hard to figure out. 
Uh, they, they just, man, they, they just have no depth, but they have a really good starting lineup. Rutgers too. Rutgers got a great starting lineup. Kyle, Big Ten's tough. Big Ten's the second best, I think, conference in, in college basketball behind the Big 12. Sounds like they've got a big glut in the middle and it's going to be a lot of like six, seven, eight seeds out of the Big Ten. I would think so. I mean, I'd be curious to see, you know, where Rutgers sits, where Illinois sits in, in all of this. I mean, my, my assumption is that we're going to see Illinois on the sixth line, maybe. We're going to see Rutgers. Eesh, I mean, gosh, this is so hard to figure out. I mean, Rutgers had a pretty good tournament. I'm excuse me, pretty good season. But I, I just don't know where 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 these experts like them. I, I put both Illinois Rutgers like on the sixth line. I mean, they're right right there in the middle. Um, I would say Maryland's had a really surprising season, and they've had some good wins. I think Maryland's in the tournament pretty easily right now as a as an eight, nine, or ten seed. So um, it's a good conference. It's probably not its best conference that we've seen for years, but you know, you still have teams like Iowa who are old, right? Those guys are 27 years old. They've been there forever. <laughs> um, you know, they they got the same players there from four years ago for, for whatever reason. So I'll put Iowa on the 7-8 line. I'll put Northwestern on the 8-9 line. It's a good conference. I, it sounds like they've got a lot of teams that can do something in the tournament, which is not great analysis, but it seems like the most accurate when we're talking about a group of teams that are going to be favored against their first round opponent and then be underdogs against their second round opponent once they take on, uh, I don't know, like Creighton or UCLA or someone like that. But they could pull off upsets. We've seen crazier things happen in March Madness. Yeah, I, I think that that teams that you just, yeah, those Big Ten teams will be, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, you know, who knows? It is, the matchups are so hard. I I say this on your podcast, and when I was doing my Beer Life Sports podcast, heavy last March Madness and the last two March Madnesses, is be careful. And we'll have, I'm sure we're going to talk before this. Be smart. Tread lightly. These 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 tournament games are impossible to handicap, in my opinion. They really are. I mean, I've seen some underdogs that are plus 500 win, and then you have a team that's, man, I love this team at plus four and a half points, and they get run out of the gym by 20 in the, in the, in the eight-nine game. You know, so I, I I love the NCAA tournament for what it's worth. Fill out brackets, play Survivor. But, man, where you want to make your money? Conference championships, Kyle. And we're coming up on those conference championships in just a few weeks. Razor, thanks as always for joining us, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your college basketball weeks. And uh, we'll reconvene again sometime soon. I'd love to preview uh, the brackets of the conference championships when they come out in a few weeks. Let's do it, Kyle. Thanks for your time, as always, and uh, appreciate everybody at Rosenthal Razor on Twitter to follow me. Appreciate it.